and happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. A special happy Mother's Day to my two mothers, Paulette Culpepper, who raised me, and Sharon Kolb, who birthed me. Um, Sharon is watching us in North Carolina right now, and she asked that I give a very subtle signal to her to let her know that I'm up here preaching and she's out there watching. So, Sharon, this is, this is for you. <laughs> if you're joining us for the first time this morning, um, you've caught us in the middle of our Easter sermon series. It's a sermon series that we're calling Gospel Proclamation. Gospel Proclamation. It's the story of what happened after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The lives that Jesus changed the difference that the early disciples made in their day, and so the impact that we Christians can have on the world in our day. We started by looking at a man named Peter. Peter was an early friend of Jesus, an early follower of Jesus during his earthly life and ministry. But Peter also denied Jesus at his crucifixion, pretended as though he never even knew Jesus, And then, marvelously, miraculously, Peter proclaimed Jesus to anyone and everyone following Jesus' resurrection. Last week, we looked at a man named Stephen. As Father Mark said, we don't really know whether or not Stephen ever knew Jesus Christ. But this we know. We know that Stephen died proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that Stephen became the very first martyr recorded in Scripture for the Christian faith. This morning, we're going to talk about a man named Paul. We heard about Paul in our first lesson this morning. Paul was proclaiming the gospel to Jews and Gentile alike. Paul even reached all the way around the Mediterranean rim on his missionary journeys, preaching the good news that Jesus Christ had died for our sins and was raised from the dead planting churches all around that Mediterranean rim and writing letters, letters that would make up almost half of what we now call the New Testament. And we might say, we might say that was the fruit, right? Paul's bold and courageous witness to the saving grace of Jesus Christ was the fruit of his vibrant and fervent love for Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. Again, Just look at what Paul did in this morning's reading. There he was in the city of Thessalonica during his second missionary journey. That means he was in the midst of traveling about 3,000 miles, right? The distance across the United States. That meant he had been giving about three years of his life, not to mention his own money, to preach the gospel. And as we see, while Paul was enjoying much success, he was also enduring much hardship, even as the scripture this morning tells us, enduring mobs and uproars and attacks. And if you know the story, Paul ultimately also gave his life in martyrdom for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if all of those things are some of the fruit of Paul's life, this morning I want to look at the root See what I did there? Root and fruit of Paul's life. Because you see, it wasn't always that way. Paul didn't always love and serve Jesus Christ. I have to pause and just say how I'm making the congregation that's among us chuckle this morning with my terrible priest humor, but here we go. (laughs) In fact, there was a time when Paul hated. Paul hated even the sound of Jesus' name. 
If you recall our story from Stephen last week, it was Paul, then called Saul, who was standing in approval over the stoning of Stephen. From there, if you know the story, Saul went on this personal crusade to persecute and to kill Christians. The Bible describes it this way. He says, the Bible says that Saul was ravaging, ravaging the church. Saul was entering houses. He was dragging women and men out of their own homes, and he was committing them to prison, the Scripture says. Now, I don't know about you, but in my mind, that makes Saul a very good candidate for social distancing, doesn't it? Speaking as a Christian, Saul, Saul is not someone I would want to have over for dinner. Speaking as a human being, Saul is someone I would want locked behind bars for a very, very long time. But on the other hand, on the other hand, Paul is someone I would very much like to know. I hope that I might have the chance to meet him in heaven someday. In fact, I have spent most of my adult life now trying to get to know Paul very well through his letters. I've even hoped that my life and ministry, as most clergy and many Christians do, might emulate the Apostle Paul in some way. And so we find ourselves asking the question, what changed? What made the difference in Paul's life? What caused Paul, simply put, to go from killing Christians to becoming one himself? Many of you already know the answer. Paul met the risen Christ. Traveling to road onto Damascus, as this picture depicts, where Paul Saul, then Saul, was going to kill more Christians, the resurrected Jesus met Saul on the road, and he stopped him in his tracks. And this is what he said. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then those words that we Christians know so well that Saul replies, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? A four-word question that changed the world because it changed his life. Now, I want us to pause and focus right here for just a few minutes on that four-word question. Have you ever thought of Paul's question as a prayer? I mean, if we look at the most basic definition of prayer, prayer in the Christian life has lots of different expressions. Prayer is adoration. We adore God in Christ Jesus because of the things that he's done for us, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Prayer is adoration. Prayer is also thanksgiving. We thank God in Christ Jesus that we are freed from the stronghold of sin and the chains of death. Prayer is confession. How we need God every day, every hour, every moment of our lives. Prayer is also supplication. Asking God for the things that we need for our life. For food and for clothing and for shelter. But not just the things in this life, but also the things that will prepare us for the next life. Who are you, Lord? I bet we would all agree that Saul was in need of God's help in that moment. Frozen in his tracks, Saul literally had no idea what would happen next. Would Jesus 
strike him down for persecuting him? Or would Jesus lift him up out of the pit? As it turns out, Jesus lifted him out of the pit. Jesus wanted to save him. As John's gospel tells us, that Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Again, Saul went from killing Christians to becoming one himself. And Jesus didn't just passively allow that to happen. No, Jesus actively worked to help cause it to happen. Remember, Jesus is the one who started the conversation. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And friends, there are simply no words. There are no words that can describe the power of Saul's conversion. Preaching about it can never really do it justice because it's something that has to be experienced. It's something that has to be lived by each and every one of us. And it all starts with prayer. Crying out to Jesus that we need Him every moment of our lives. Calling out to Jesus that we need Him every day of our lives. And I get it. I get it. Some people see prayer as a sign of weakness. I get that. I've been there myself. In fact, it might surprise you to know sometimes I'm still there. After all, who wants to be perceived as either incompetent or incapable? We all want to be known as the answer man. We all want to be seen as the go-to guy. But what about right now, my friends? What about right now? Right now, we are fighting an enemy that's so small, we can't even see it with our own eyes. Right now, we're fighting an enemy that's so insidious in this COVID-19 disease that we are all being reminded, reminded of how fragile our way of life really is, and reminded of how frail life itself really is. Right now, our very lives are literally being turned upside down, just like Saul's was. And no one really has the answers to any of it. Not yet, anyway. And so maybe, just maybe, this current crisis is opening up some deeper questions for you. Questions about life itself. Questions about the meaning of life. Questions about what really does happen after our earthly life is ended. Questions like, where is my hope? And where is my trust? Or better said, in whom is my hope? In whom is my trust? Don't you know that those are exactly the kinds of questions that Saul was asking on that road to Damascus? In fact, if you know the story, you know that Jesus gave him a good three days to think about those questions. The scripture says that Saul become Paul was blinded for three days after Jesus met him on the road. The scripture said that Saul become Paul did not eat or drink anything for those three days. So I wonder. I wonder what circumstances God might be using to get your attention right now. What circumstances God might be using to get my attention right now. Maybe you're turning in or tuning in for the first time this morning. 
Maybe you're watching us for the first time and you've never talked to Jesus before. Maybe you're watching this morning and it's been a while since you've talked to Jesus. You see, here's the thing. You may have forgotten about him, but he has not forgotten about you. You may have forgotten about Jesus, but let me assure you that Jesus has not forgotten about you. Think about it this way. Saul stepped out of a life of sin and into a life of salvation, and it all started with a simple four-word prayer, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And Paul became so firmly convinced that Jesus is Lord that he went on to live an unparalleled life in human history. And he wrote these words that comfort so many in our times of trouble. From Romans chapter 8, Paul would write this. He says, Who shall separate us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all things, in all things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And Paul concludes this way, For I am sure, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor anything else in all creation, even COVID-19. Nothing else in all of creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Again, I remind us, Paul went from killing Christians. Paul went from killing Christians to becoming one himself. And it all started with a prayer. Who are you, Lord? Wouldn't you like to know what it is to be loved? What it means to be forgiven and released and freed from the guilt and the shame of the things that we know that we do wrong that hurt one another and hurt the very nature of God himself? Don't you want to know what it is to be free from the shackles of sin and the stronghold of death? My friends, I've prayed lots of prayers in my life that were probably pretty silly. You've heard me tell this story before of how I was starting on my Christian journey And there I was, kneeling down beside my bed in my small one-bedroom apartment, and I told God this. I said, God, if if you'll just knock that picture off of the wall, if you'll knock that picture off of the wall, then I'll believe that you're real. If you'll do that for me, then I'll believe that you're real. Well, God didn't answer that prayer at least the way that I wanted him to answer that prayer. And he may not have answered thousands of prayers the way I wanted him to answer those prayers, but that doesn't stop me from praying to God. It starts me seeking after God all the more. Can you imagine if Saul had stopped his conversation right there? What if it had ended right there? 
And we didn't have the churches. And we didn't have the letters. The world is so much better off because Saul become Paul chased after Jesus even after that very first prayer. Who are you, Lord? If your world is upside down this morning and you're finding that you can't do it on your own anymore, let me assure you of two, two things. First, Jesus is not the genie of the bottle. He's not there to serve all of our little whims and wishes. But he is Lord of all creation. And he loves you, he loves you, he loves you more than you can even possibly imagine. So if you'll just open your heart and your mind by asking that same kind of question, who are you, Lord? I promise you the answer will be good because God himself is good all the time. All the time God is good because that's his nature. So let me end this message with two opportunities. The first one is this. If you're sitting there and you're watching us right now and you've been listening to this message and you want to know who this Jesus is, maybe for the first time in your life, let me ask you to do three simple things. One, pray the prayer. Who are you, Lord? Start the conversation with Jesus Christ. Number two, after you've prayed the prayer, read the Scriptures. The best way to get to know Jesus Christ is to start reading the Bible because that's where He is revealed principally to us. Third, call us. Contact us. us. Contact us. We may be socially distant from one another right now, but we can be spiritually connected to one another. So at the time of the announcements, jot down our contact information and reach out to us. And here's the second opportunity. It's been said that we Christians have been set free to serve, and that is certainly true. We have been set free from sin and death to serve the one who saves our soul, even Jesus Christ. But Christians have been set free for another reason. We've also been set free to share. We've been set free to serve, but we've also been set free to share. Three weeks ago, we were asked to share our favorite scripture and there was much fruit from that conversation. Two weeks ago, we were asked to share our favorite Bible story, and there was much fruit from that conversation. Last week, we were asked to share our favorite songs, and there was much fruit from that conversation. This week, this week, we're asking you to share a prayer. Share a prayer that God has answered for you in your life. My friends, you know this. We are in a world full of hurting people right now, and maybe you're one of them. Maybe you need to know that God can give you hope. Maybe you need to know that God will give you help. I'm inviting the members of our church and all Christians anywhere to share a prayer. And I'll close by sharing one of my own personal favorite prayers. Eleven years ago now, God called Margie and me, to plant this church. We were told by wise and experienced people when we got started that we should start praying for the people and we should start praying for the land. Brothers and sisters, you are the fruit of that prayer. The amazing people who God has brought to Christ the Redeemer over the last 11 years 
are the fruit of that prayer. Some of them are sitting in, the mor- in here this morning helping us with the AV, helping us with the music. Many of you are at home right now watching and praying and worshiping along with us. You are the fruit of an 11-year prayer that we have been praying. And as for the land, well, we're pretty happy in our shopping center home, at least for now, right? (laughs) What prayers has God answered for you? Share them this week. Someone needs to be encouraged by you. Someone needs to know that God can act in his life and her life. So to God be the glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.